Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Roger fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Today we're going to talk with the coach, Coach Harvey Hyde. Join the show, follow on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. Spring break for USC, but we still got some questions from you guys. We're talking about the first week of spring football, getting ready for the last four weeks, the final push through, and then of course the offseason heading into the fall. So we got a bunch of questions about the team, and we had a little time to contemplate what we saw that first week of spring football. If you have any questions for us, Drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com. You can leave us a voicemail a couple different ways. 641-715-3900, extension 816-646. Uh, or you can go to our website, peristylepodcast.com. Click on the left side of the page. You can leave a voicemail right from your computer. We're going to have a voicemail for you today. Got a bunch of email questions for the coach. And uh, let's bring in the coach. What's going on, sir? How are you? Ryan, good morning uh, to you and all of our listeners out there. Uh, it's good. We had a spring break as far as from uh, USC spring football, but March Madness is here, and I enjoyed watching a lot of games this past weekend. And, wow, a lot of upsets. The parity now in college athletics is unbelievable. And it brings a lot of excitement to it because everybody's saying, can you believe that? Can you believe that? And uh, I call those wow games. When people see the, see the score and they say, wow, can you believe that? So it's been a big weekend uh, away from football just a little bit. But uh, back with it this coming week. And, uh, Ryan, what I'm excited about is we get to go to the Coliseum on Saturday and see where, or sit in a seat at least where we can see what's going on. <laughs> that, is true. that is true, Coach. So they'll practice this week, uh, Tuesday, Thursday, and then Saturday. Uh, morning. So that'll be fun to be, to go check them out in the Coliseum. Um, I want to thank our sponsor coach before we jump into much of everything. Uh, sctickets.com. It's Southern California tickets. sctickets.com. Call them at 1-800-888-7287. You want to see that final run at the Staples Center for Kobe? Make sure you go to a game that's, if it's the last time the Lakers are playing a team, Kobe will likely play. If they have another game left with that team, Kobe probably won't play. So. Make sure you do that when you, if you get your Lakers tickets. We've had a lot of people talk about that. But go to sctickets.com. They'll hook you up for any kind of tickets you need in L.A. or across California or across the country. And, uh, Coach, we took a little break. Got to, you know, kind of get the wind back in your sails after a week of spring football. But people are writing in questions. They want to kind of know about this team. You want to just uh, jump right in with the questions? Whatever you want to do, Ryan. Well, let's do it. We got uh, our buddy Tarek. He says... Uh, from what you've seen, where does Max Brown need to improve as well as Sam Darnold? The two uh, the two leaders in the clubhouse right now for the quarterback job. Well, I think right now what Max uh, Brown has to do is assume the leadership role. I think what he needs to do is step up and take command of the, of the offensive side of the football. If guys do good things, you, you go over and you congratulate them. If, things, if guys uh, don't run hard to do something or... or snap wasn't right from the center you gotta let them know gotta let them know hey guys we can't do that we can't be playing like that we can't waste it down and when somebody makes a great play you congratulate them when somebody doesn't do 
or doesn't hustle or or the handoff doesn't go properly on a running play, you go back yourself and you talk to him and you work it out and you say it won't happen again. You got to step up and you got to be a leader as a quarterback. And I think that both of them can't be shy. Both of them got to speak up. Yeah, you know, now don't get me wrong. All quarterbacks don't yell at their players. I'm not talking about yelling at your players. I'm talking about assume a leadership role where people know who is running the offensive side of the football. They all pay attention. If they have a question, they ask him. Uh, and uh, I think that's what you need to see now come about in the spring, uh, you know, final four weeks of spring practice where these players start, these quarterbacks especially, start to assume a leadership role. And I'm not talking about be fancy like some of the guys out there. You know what I'm talking about, Ryan. You know, they, they throw the ball down and they run around after they make a great play. I mean, okay, we all saw it, you know. Save that. Pretend like, you know, you know what happens, I think you form bad habits in, in those type of things. Make it something you, you're going to do all the time. Uh, people see when you make a great play. You don't have to demonstrate it by, you know, some of the things you see out there and I see out there. But they're kids, and I understand that. I used to call kids back when they did a play like that. I say, you know, doesn't really fit the personality of our team. We want people to think that this is supposed to happen, not that it happens. It's supposed to happen. These are the type of plays we're supposed to make. It's not uh, something we don't see every day. And I, but I think that's the number one thing I have to see with the quarterback situation. I want to see someone emerge, not only as the best passer and all of the above, but somebody to take over the offense, just someone to step in. And when you watch practice, you say, now, that's the guy running the show. Peyton Manning really didn't say much at all. But was there any question in your mind who ran that offense? Zero. How about Tom Brady? Any question in your mind who ran that offense? This is the type of leadership I hope USC can develop or happen with their quarterback position. Makes sense, Coach. Um, well, let's jump in and do a voicemail question. I think now, I apologize. I think this one kind of came out uh, a little choppy when he left it. So hopefully, uh, you know, check your phone when you leave your voicemails and stuff. But I'll play it for you and get your, your thoughts, Coach. Here you go. Hi, this is Al from uh, Pennsylvania. This is Thursday, and this call is for Coach Hyde, which I guess he won't get until Monday. Um, I, I'm wondering about Stevie Mitchell. Uh, last year, he seemed to be quite the receiver. I mean, I haven't seen, you know, he makes really cut, really great cuts and moves. He seemed to, his, his pattern seemed to be like, I, I don't remember, somebody like Charlie Joyner or uh, 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 Steve Larkin. And last year, during the uh, spring game, Coach Hyde said that, uh, you know, he saw some, when the Dory Jackson went over to the other side, he saw some some receivers seem like they, you know, kind of put their heads down. And I understand that, uh, because you are in college, a lot of them trying to get to the pros. And the last time you have uh, on the field, the less chances you get. Uh, I know he started, then he got hurt running that, that silly uh, uh, bubble screen. He got hurt, and he hasn't seemed to be the same since. I'm wondering, because no one ever mentions him, and I never see him uh, when I read anything about the receiver. My co my question is, how is he doing, and is, how is his spirit? 
I hope he's still in it because to me he's a fantastic receiver. Just watching him on film. Thank you very much. Uh, fight on. I love this show. Keep it up, Ryan. Keep it going. Bye. Well, thank you very much for checking in with us. Um, obviously, you've seen Stevie Mitchell play not only at USC but in high school. I think coming out of high school, Ryan, you do a lot of the grading and you know what's happening in the recruiting scene. He was probably one of the top receivers coming out of high school. I mean, he just destroyed people in the summer league and all the different leagues they had, passing leagues, and not only that, but during the regular season when he played high school football. He's a dynamic, great player. Injury, when he got injured, it did slow him down. I thought he was a step slower. I agree with you 100%. He's had to rehab and come back. And, you know, I really feel attitude has a lot to do with players the way you approach the game and the way you give the efforts in the game and and you, you have a lot of pride in yourself and being a great player, you expect to be respected as that type of player. That's why you re- were recruited to USC. And I agree with you. He really hasn't had to do of a lot of the other receivers who have come to USC because he probably came to USC. And, Ryan, you can correct me if you'd like. But he came as one of the top recruits or receivers that USC got. And he just <clears throat> hasn't uh, had the opportunity. I'm going to put it that way. Not that he hadn't had performed, but he hasn't had the opportunity to be Stevie Mitchell. As you mentioned, Doy uh, Jackson comes over and plays his position, or did. I don't know if he'll be doing it this coming year. Uh, and he goes out of the game. Uh, Stevie Mitchell can do just about everything Adoy Jackson can do. And I, and I think, and we've talked about this before, that USC has probably one of the greatest groups of receivers that there are in the country, and they all aren't there yet. So you, I've always, you know, and you've heard me say Adoy should stay on the defensive side of the ball. And I talked to Reggie last week about this. When Reggie asked me, he says, if he's been promised that he could play on the offensive side of the ball, would you – stay with your, your promise. And I said, absolutely. But I would try to explain to Adori that, Adori, your future is a corner, a lockdown corner, and you can't afford to waste turns on taking your turns on the defensive side of the football. Because I thought he regressed last year, and I think a lot of people felt the same way. Now, that's just my opinion. And I said that I'm glad that he's taking spring practice off. To sort of recover. I thought his body was really beaten up. But I think Stevie Mitchell, going back to your question, is an outstanding athlete, and I think he can do it all. He just needs to get his confidence back. You've got to get your confidence back in your players that you believe in them, and you're not going to substitute for them. He has a lot of pride in who he is and what he's done and what he can do. You've got to get him the ball. You've got to allow him the opportunity to perform up to his ability. And we've talked about this, spreading the ball around the field. Not only the Juju, but the Darius or Hampton or, you know, whoever. The tight ends. You become a better football team when you don't just have one guy. I really believe that. You're a better football team when all your guys are doing that. How do you cover all your guys? And they have the type of guys that require that type of secondary play against you so I agree with you I think Stevie Mitchell just has to get his confidence back 
and I think they ought to give him that opportunity. But he's a great athlete. Now, Ryan, coming out of high school, would you agree with he that he was one of the top receivers in the country? Yeah, I mean, really explosive, and uh, you know, it set him back with the, you know, the the injuries. It's been some setbacks during his career. He met with the coaches over the off season to kind of talk about his role, and he's part of that group that someone needs to step up and be the number two receiver for, you know, with Juju Smith. And we're just not sure who that's going to be, but his attitude seems good this, you know, spring. We've only got to talk to him the one day. So we'll, you know, he'll be available on Tuesday. We'll kind of see what he has to say. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, there's, I think there's high expectations for him this year. I don't, I don't, I don't agree with the caller that, you know, we don't talk about him a lot. I mean, he's talked about quite a bit because that number two receiver spot is something that's really been, uh, lacking for USC, and he's one of the leading candidates to step up and be one of them. You know, Ryan, when people talk about the number two receiver, uh, as you just mentioned, and others always uh, refer to that, I don't think there should be a number two receiver. I think they're all receivers, one, two, three, four, five. Why should there be a number one receiver? Now, what I mean by that, yeah, there's a key guy, Juju Schuster's an All-American, but they're all potential All-Americans if you're given them an opportunity to perform. And I think you've got to be able to do that when you have the type of players that USC has as far as at the receiver position and all the positions they have. I mean, sure, they they want to throw the ball at Juju and the percentage of him making a big play is maybe a little bit bigger or better than some of the other players. But if you give the other players a chance, his percentage of making a big play is better when they know they can all play. So they talk about a number two receiver. I think they should be all. Maybe you give him the term, the big receiver, first receiver, but they should all be the second receiver. Not one, all be the second receiver. Or all be the first receiver and be ready to catch the football. No, I, I agree with you, Coach. And that was the problem is that last year, Juju Smith was such a huge percentage. He represented a huge percentage of the overall passing offense. And that's just... That's not good for balance. And as great as he is, you need someone else. He needs a, you know, if he's going to be Batman, he needs a Robin. Um, or you could have, you know, a whole bunch of you know, the X-Men. They could all be, like you said, talk about being equal. But there just was such a chasm between his production and everyone else's. Guys like Stephen Mitchell need to try to, to short, you know, uh, narrow that gap, I guess you could say. I agree with you, and and I think even uh, all of them should be given that opportunity. Yeah, it's about opportunity. You have to have opportunity, and I don't think most of the other receivers did. Now, one week, someone might have an opportunity, and then he doesn't get an opportunity for the next few weeks. That was the the biggest issue I had last year. I agree. Darius Rogers makes two great touchdown passes, and then doesn't play again. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I mean, I couldn't figure a lot of that out, and. Not trying to be negative, just trying to be honest. And I think they saw the same games, and you saw the same games I did. And then the continuous talk about we're going to utilize the tight end, but they never did utilize the tight end. And then I hear a lot of reports saying they're utilizing the tight end a lot in the spring this spring. Well, at practices that I've been at, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen them uh, really utilize the tight end. I've seen uh, in regular passing drills, individual drills, but as far as on seven on seven or eleven on eleven, I haven't seen the tight end actually star and, and do a lot of things except for the little cross in front of the linebackers. Now, do you call that utilizing the tight end? I mean, throwing the ball in front of the of the linebackers for a six yard gain. Yeah. I don't call that utilizing <laughs> the tight end. So I sort of disagree with what's been coming out as far as in the media. Yeah, 
Uh, you know, you have like a Deontay Burnett, the leading receiver one week, and then you don't hear from him at all. Like he's not even targeted the next couple of weeks. So stuff like right. that, I think they got to clean it up and we'll see. Uh, we'll watch the rest of spring football, see who kind of steps up at the number two receiver spot or like, like coach said, just someone else besides Juju, all the other people, how they do. Let's go to, uh, Dan, Dan from 1962. He says on your most recent podcast with coach Harvey Hyde, you touched on Adoree Jackson. As a two-way player, whether Coach Hyde would allow him to play if he committed as a two-way player to play both ways. In the years before the 1960s, players did play both ways because that there was limited substitution rules. In fact, John McKay for the national championship team in 1962 had three complete teams, one for offense, one for defense, and one that could play both ways because a player could only substitute once a quarter, I believe. Uh, while being an expert at one position was a motivating factor for the change, wasn't the health of players also a consideration? Uh, with the increased speed and size in the game, playing 80 plays a game is not reasonable or safe for the player. My objection to a Dory Jackson playing a few plays on offense is that the defensive team knows to target him because he's coming from uh, coming in with a pass play directed to him. When Juju Smith is on the field, it could be a pass or run. By the way, I do appreciate Coach Hyde and your analysis of the football program. We have many fans who are armchair quarterbacks who have never even played the game. Dan from 1962. Well, Dan, thank you very much. Um, yeah, you know, and, and uh, I agree. Uh, the game is so physical today. The guys are bigger, they're faster, and they're stronger. So your body can only withstand so many hits. I really believe that. The collisions they have are not just little bit of hits. They're collisions. Players run faster, they come in and they tackle harder, and uh, you sustain uh, uh, a lot of injuries. Uh, if you remember back in 62, on Mondays, the guys just, uh, they played a lot, they they would sit in the tub all Monday and Tuesday. They used to have the tub, the whirlpools, they used to call them. Put a little energetic, energetic bomb on it, and sit in the whirlpools and get well, and by Wednesday, you're starting to run again, and Thursday you're ready to go, and and Friday you you go through the runouts or the, the run throughs and polish, and you're ready to play again on Saturday. Now it's the uh, the era of specialists. Uh, I don't believe there are the, the era of specialists now. There was when you had running backs like OJ and all these guys, Charles White, Anthony Davis. Yeah, those specialists, they're great runners, but and great offensive lines at USC where they just couldn't wait to knock you off the football. In fact, they took a lot of pride in it, and uh, they thought about it all week on how they wanted to hurt you. And the same thing on the defensive side of the football. But it's more a different type of game today as far as people talking about being tough but not having the opportunity to be as tough as some of the guys of the past. Why? Because of the rule changes. I mean, the chop block and all those blocks before these guys, there wasn't any rules about any of that. I mean, they, they got chopped all the time and they got blocked down on all the time or whatever happened in the game. But today the athletes are faster, bigger, quicker and, uh, demonstrate their skills. So, uh, I think that the safety is a big part of the game. And I think that you have enough players today. There are more great players today than maybe in the past. Before the philosophy was, I remember when Johnny Majors went to Pitt, he gave 130 freshman scholarships out. 
130 freshman scholarships because there wasn't any limit on scholarships. He says he is, his philosophy was we're going to take him because we don't want to play against him. So now you don't have that. So all the schools have great players. On any given day, anybody can beat anybody. There's just a little bit of an edge. So when you have that little bit of an edge, you've got to take advantage of what you have. And USC is one of those schools that has always had the tradition in that little edge. But people have caught up to that little edge. They don't fear playing in the Coliseum like they used to. They've seen teams beat USC in the Coliseum Coliseum now, where in the past, they surrendered. They were beaten before they came. So I think what you have to do is build that back, build the confidence back of the alumni and the crowd and the pride in your program. Now the Pac-12 is a better conference now, so it's harder to do that. You've got the Oregons. How about Stanford, the way they've dominated and the recruiting classes? And they're in the team. Look at Washington State last year. They're in the team in the Pac-12 that can't beat you. I really think sometimes they beat each other up so much that when they get to the bowl games, that they don't perform as well because they're tired, physically drained, and uh, from the week to week and week of competition that they have. But I'm sort of wandering, and I apologize for that. But, uh, yes, I, I think that uh, it's difficult for players to go both ways, and I know that they used to do that in the past. All right. We have uh, Jim wrote in. He said, love the show. Thanks, Jim. Keep up the good work. Uh, Clancy Pendergast coached the defense in 2013 and now in 2016. Two questions. Which of those defenses do you think has the most raw talent? And which defense has the most chance for success, talent, experience, and the right type of players who will fit into Pendergast schemes? Fight on from Jim. Well, every year it changes, you know. Uh, Let me use this... uh, Example, there were years that I said, man, we're hurting this year. We're not going to be very good. We turned it up, turned out being pretty good because our kids, we didn't have any injuries. Kids played well, played up to their ability, and the league was down a little bit. And they didn't attack us in our weaker areas. Then there's years I had great players, and hell, we lost three or four games. The ball didn't ride out, roll our way. We threw interceptions. We had a lot of penalties. So it's hard to say that. But what you got to do, and, and it's hard for me to go back and remember who all played when he was there before, but you got to just coach what you have. You got to take the players that are with you now. The comparisons don't help. It's what you can do in developing these players Play your defense. Play the play called. Get after it. Play it 100%. Have pride in your defense. Have pride in yourself. The way you dress, the way you walk, the way you talk. Everything you do, the way you ride the bus, the way you ride the plane. I used to tell my players, every single thing you do reflect on how you play on game day. The way you stretch. If you cut drills short. All the little things add up. So I think Coach Pendergrass is a good coach. I like him. I've learned to now like him more in the three practices I've seen than I did before, was I've spent a lot of time watching him since we have the linebackers 10 yards from us, and that's the only group we have, Ryan. Yeah. (laughs) So, and you do the same thing. You've watched him. 
he's a, he works very hard at the techniques. He's got their attention. There isn't any talking. I don't see anybody's helmet off. The drill goes quickly and goes fast. And uh, he makes sure he's coaching every kid. So I've got to watch him coach more. So I've been able to evaluate him better just on the coaching techniques and what he does. And I think the placement of his players in his defense is what's going to be very important on who plays where. And don't worry about who it is. Just make sure that he can perform the techniques that are necessary for that position. I think that's the best way to answer that. Oh, yeah, it makes sense. He's doing a lot of the inside linebacker work. And, uh, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, that, that defense in 2013, it was, it wasn't as deep as this one is. Um, you know, we'll see. Are there the, the high level playmakers on this defense that they had some of those in 2013? Um, but it, it should be a lot deeper, uh, overall. I think he's got a little bit more to work with here. All right. Let's, uh, we got Melvin. He said, let's see. Great to open up a new season, new coach and some new players. Uh, I realize we are just starting spring practice with a brand new coaching staff uh, who seem to be very concerned about fundamentals and technique. I personally believe that is the best approach in starting every camp every year. Since this year we open with the champs, the number one team in the nation, Alabama, when does Coach Helton start to plan for the opener? Is spring too early to start thinking about Alabama? Thanks from Melvin. Well, let me tell you, you don't stop thinking about Alabama. First of all, you're not game planning planning for Alabama right now at all. You're worried about getting better at what you do. Can't worry about anybody else. If you're not good at what you do and coach that up, then you're not going to have to worry about Alabama. You, you're, Alabama's in your mind all the time. You don't even have to talk about Alabama. The kids know who, who they open with. Kids watch them win the national championship. Kids know who's on the schedule. They know what type of effort they're going to have to make against Alabama. You don't even need to talk about it. They, you don't. You won't hear many people talking about. It. At least I didn't do that when I was coaching about who we opened up with. We opened up with BYU my first year at UNLV, and Steve Young was the quarterback. I didn't know who Steve Young was because Jim McMahon had played the year before. But we found out about BYU when we played them. We didn't. We didn't. We didn't spend a lot. Of more time working for them than we did anybody else. Because every single game is an important football game. If you emphasize one game more than the other, you end up losing the next game because you're burned out and you're depressed so much that you can't perform the next week. So you've got to play at the level of what you do the best all the time. So what you're doing this spring is you're teaching your team to do what they do well. You start game planning for Alabama maybe after the second week of the fall camp. You go maybe 10 days of game planning for Alabama rather than a week that you normally would do uh, for for a regular opponent. You don't want to talk too much about them. You don't want to get them ready to play too early, but if you get them ready to play too early, they played the game in practice and not on Saturday. So, you know, you know what it is, and you know you have a lot of these clocks. You see what the new thing is in the Ohio State weight room. they got a clock that's running. There's so many days, so many hours until we play Michigan. Okay, those things are good as far as keep, get, keeping the kids working in the weight room or whatever as a reminder. But you don't have to talk about those things. 
kids are smart. Kids go to all the internet websites, read all the they want about it. They've been recruited. They know all these players. They've been camps with each other. They, hey, they know more about the kids they're going to play against than you do. So you, you, you just get ready in, in spring and the first part of fall. Do what you do and teach that before you worry about teaching something to beat Alabama. And that's the way I look at that. Yeah, that makes sense, Coach. Um, let's see. Okay, we got one more. Uh, this is Nick, our buddy Nick from Cyprus. He said, question for Ryan and the coach. Uh, regards to Scott Felix and Don Hill, uh, what is their status? And just to let people know, so we don't, we haven't been told much from, uh, Clay Helton. Those guys, Don Hill and Scott Felix are not on the practice field. Um, they're all, they just keep saying that their, uh, status on the team is undetermined. Um, so we're not really sure. You know, there's no official word on either of those guys, but they're both not at practice right now, just so you know that. Um, so there, you know, there's a, there's some likelihood that they will not be on the team anymore. He says, how would you handle the situation with these two kids? I'm asking because one of your famous football players was, uh, it said Sue Knight. Uh, Suge Knight. Shug, okay. He said Suge Knight. He, he put Sue, S-U-E. Suge Knight. Do you still stay in contact and do, and how do you feel? about his situation. I asked because he's famous and made great things as well as put himself in a bad situation. And I always, uh, I'm sorry, always hear. I'm always curious to hear how you speak about your former players. Fight on coach. That's Nick and Cyprus. Nick and Cyprus. Okay, Nick. Um, you know, I've coached some pretty highlighted players. You know, I don't talk about them. You know about Randall and Terrell Davis and Nicky Woods and others. But Suge Knight seems to be the one that people call me on more than any other of those athletes. And by the way, let me mention this. Randall Cunningham's daughter this past week set a world record and an indoor record high jumping, uh, at six. She, I think she went six, five and a half to win the event. And uh, it's the highest in the world. And she's just a senior in high school. And, uh, and his, son is at USC and he's done seven four and a seven four I think in a quarter so far this year so uh tremendous 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 events by these kids and I always follow them and talk to the guys about that but of all those great players and others Suge Knight is the one that probably is out there all the time that people want to call me about and get quotes coach tell us about tell me about Suge Knight tell me about high recruited. Tell him how, what kind of a kid was he when he played for you? Uh, do you have talks with him? Have you been with him? Have you done this and that? And you know, the first thing I say is I'm close to all my players. The ones that are doctors and lawyers and the ones that haven't really, uh, maybe used their potential, uh, to the utmost. I'm, I'm close with all of them. If someone has been incarcerated or whatever you want to do. When he gets out, I go to lunch with him. That's the type of loyalty I have. And we sit and talk. Uh, Shug is, is someone who is a smart individual. And when he played for me, he was a role model. He played his butt off. And if someone calls me to get me to say something negative, I say, I want you to know I'm not going to say anything negative because 
you're asking me when I knew him, when I recruited him, when he played at UNLV, and how he was with me, and he was a role model, Sugar Bear. That was his nickname. And uh, now, of course, uh, he continually get headline, gets headlines all the time, and it's very difficult for me to maintain a relationship with him, as you know. But I have had lunch with him uh, several years ago, not recently. And if necessary, I would call him or go visit him if he asked me to. And that's the type of relationship I have with all my players. So I don't know anything about his the things they talk about because I'm not in that world and I don't know. But as far as him being in my world, when I was with him, he was part of our team, and I respect that. Yeah, Coach, uh, good stuff. Yeah, Suge Knight, interesting. Um, but, yeah, we don't know as far as Don Hill and Scott Felix go. Uh, I don't really have a gut feeling either way. I mean, the fact that they haven't been around. It, I think some of the other uh, coaching staffs in the last couple of years – Maybe a little more for it, right? That we've heard, we got a little bit more detail about things like this going on. Like Clay Helton has not really shared much of anything. Um, so I don't really know. Uh, there were some questions about Chad Wheeler before, you know, he's back. My gut is coach. I mean, like Scott Felix being a senior, he's not around for spring football. I don't know. I, I think the chances of him coming back aren't very good. And I, I kind of get the same way feeling about Don Hall, just my gut feeling. So if I had to. If I had to put a bet right now in Vegas, I would probably say both those guys won't be on the team this fall. Well, I'd have to agree with you, but, uh, you know, a lot of these things are because of legal circumstances. You know, you just can't make comments. Uh, if it's something that's part of the team, yeah, you can talk about it. But if it's something that has to do with something else, you just stay away from it. And we have to respect that. And, uh, uh, and you just leave it alone. People used to ask me when some of our players would would have a difficult situation at times, what do you think? And I'd say, as far as I'm concerned, I don't think anything. If you want to find out more about that situation, call someone that knows more about it, like maybe his parents. Maybe she might want to talk to you or he might want to talk to you or the dean of student activities. If that's where the problem is on campus, maybe he might want to talk to you about it. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to talk about football things, okay? And personal lives are really important to me. But I'm not going to talk about something that I'm not supposed to talk about because I'd rather protect the kid than say something wrong that would hurt the kid. Yeah. And that's exactly how I feel. All right. Well, Coach, great stuff. It was a fun little spring break coming off a of spring break uh, podcast. We'll be back. Next week, we'll have uh, week two. It'll be interesting to see kind of what they do, how they look on Tuesday after the week off and all that. So it should be fun. Thanks for coming on again, Coach. Brian, it's always a pleasure. And, again, I always want to thank our callers and people who listen to the podcast. We really enjoy you being a part of our huddle. And uh, be safe out there. And for you uh, uh celebrate Easter, I want to say happy Easter to everyone. All right. Thanks, Coach. Happy Easter to everyone. And uh hope you guys enjoy the show. We're going to try to get Dan Weber on this week, and I might do a solo podcast. We've got a lot of stuff going on. So um, we will try to get all of that in for you this week on the Peristyle Podcast. So thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. 
Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.